0: Welcome to Insightful Leaders. I'm your host, Ryan Stewart, and this is the show where I interview proven leaders in the customer insights and CX space who share their stories, strategies, and insights to drive meaningful change at your organization. Our guest for today's episode is Adam Murphy. Adam has worked in the insights and research space for almost 25 years, where he's held a number of senior leadership roles at companies such as Nielsen, AB InBev, and Carlton United Group breweries. I'm excited to have Adam on the show. He's passionate about promoting a strong culture of curiosity, so much so that he's actually started his own consultancy called Curioso to help insights professionals rediscover the power of inquisitive
1: thinking. Great to have you on the show, Adam. Oh, look, thank you very much for having me, Ryan. Uh, I love talking about insights with anybody who is uh, as passionate about it as me, so looking forward to the chat.
0: At the risk of asking the question that I'm sure every single person now asks you the first time they meet you, given the name of your
1: consultancy, what does curiosity mean to you? <laughs> Indeed, it is a question that that I get uh, relatively frequently uh, these days, but, but one I love talking about, uh, so I'm, I'm glad to answer it for you. Um, because I have thought about it quite a bit, pro- probably have a, a fairly structured uh, answer to it, but. Um, you know, curiosity for me, first and foremost, it's my source of energy. Um, it's what drew me in and has kept me in insights for over 20 years. Um, it's something that is kind of within me that I've then been able to build on and build a career on. But, uh, I guess for everybody, uh, what, what is curiosity? The way I look at it, it's really the unwavering pursuit of greater understanding, discovery and what i call novel thinking so for me the the important parts of that is curiosity is unwavering you you need it's not something you kind of just switch on and and switch off or you can do a little bit of it's it's something you've got to like it's a pursuit that you just keep uh following um and it's really got to. it's the, the end purpose is not curiosity unto itself but it's the understanding and discovery which in the commercial sense leads to opportunity and and that's kind of been my ethos as I've, I've, I've uh, built it over my career that, that led me to starting Curio, so is, is to help others to build a culture of curiosity because curiosity leads to understanding which ultimately reveals opportunity and that, that's where uh, curiosity becomes a, a source of competitive advantage.
0: Interesting. I've uh, not heard that, that spin of the commercial aspect at the end leading to opportunity, but but it makes absolute sense to me because, particularly as a as a business, someone that runs a business myself, if you're not solving problems for people, or if you're not providing value to other people, then you probably don't have a terribly strong business, right?
1: Yeah, exactly. And that's uh, that's ultimately the the, the trick, or, or one of the um, one of the things that you learn, or I've learned over my insights career, is that there are times when I'm still in full curiosity mode i'm still asking questions uh but in a commercial context you are obviously are are working with people who at some point are looking for the answer and you've got to be able to uh to to drive towards that at some point in time um and i think that's why i kind of built this mental model that that separates when are we in curious mode when are we trying to consolidate the understanding and then it's from there that you can start to 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 leap off to opportunity um the, the thing is, it's a it's a craft curiosity it's It's not a trait, I think some people think it's a trait there are curious people and not curious people um I think it's probably true that everyone has a baseline and there's probably people that start with a higher a higher baseline and others that don't, but I think everybody can grow on uh whatever level of innate curiosity you have through really conscious um, practice and uh, and treating it like any other skill that in the workplace we would practice. You know, read about learn about uh do training and develop that skill as soon as you
0: say mental model you're speaking very truly to something i believe very strongly in, but unfortunately i think that's a whole nother episode so we'll leave that alone <laughs> for the time being another day another day <laughs> um i have i did take the time to to consume some of your content before doing uh this episode with you and one of the things that I've seen you talk about um, in particular in relation to insights teams is needing to be more inquisitive when it comes to you know, assuming that role of the detective um, to really understand the customer journey. Yeah. Do you think one area of insight that is, has that is, uh, sort of fallen off the rails and is in a race to answer at any cost rather than um, focusing on the race to the right answer is it is it more of a kind of race to the bottom to produce any answer or any insights versus the right answer
1: yeah, yeah i I think you're right uh and uh, I would say that 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 is a behavior that that lets some insights teams and and agencies as well down um, that with the pressure of business uh clients with tight timelines <laughs> people asking questions they want answered yesterday. It is really easy to jump at the first answer or to jump at any answer that's available. Um, but if we're not thinking critically enough about is that the right answer um, and we stop that search too early, um, I think you generally see that it gets found out later, right? So I think there's a false economy in, in jumping at that first answer sometimes. And you use the the detective analogy and if i kind of extend that one if just think about the detective that picks up the first piece of evidence jumps to a quick conclusion about who committed the crime they might find themselves in trouble later when it gets thrown out under interrogation in court right um or you know the judge doesn't find that piece of evidence compelling or uh that the jury doesn't buy it so our interrogation in that sense is the 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 end client the end user um that we're going to be going back to the person who had the question if we if we go back to them with a, a soft story um they're going to ask the hard questions and I, I think that um as i said before you don't want to be asking questions forever but the aim of the curious researcher is, is still to drive decisions and answer questions so you need to think and keep asking questions until you uh until you know you know and and one of the things I do is, is always ask myself, what are the cracks in my theory? What are those, those holes that are going to show up under interrogation? Um, and a great piece of advice that one of my, um, mentors gave me at one point was ask yourself the tough questions that you know you're going to be asked later. Uh, because then you have time, ask yourself when you have time to think about it, when you're not on the spot. Um, and so I think that that's probably the key thing is that uh, with time pressure, maybe we uh, we don't do that or I see people not doing that enough. Um, but the question always comes, right? It's in the presentation to your boss or to the CEO or to the, you know, uh, you know when you're standing up on a, a stage somewhere and someone asks the, the hairy question from the audience. So um, that normally comes because we've leapt to the first and, and easy answer.
0: And have you ever seen instances in, in, the, in times when the CEO or someone else at the business has asked that question? I imagine it's, it's perfectly okay or at least perhaps even preferable to say, I've thought about this or I don't know or I've thought about this and we can't reach a conclusion rather than being caught in that trying to think on the spot to come up
1: with an answer. Yeah, precisely, right? Like I, I think if you haven't thought about it, the best answer in that situation, as scary as it seems for, for many people, is to say that's a fantastic question that you know i don't have the answer to right now but i'm going to go and quickly you know um sort of re-interrogate uh, all of the the data and the information that we have um or go and ask some some new questions uh because i because i like what you've done because curiosity is not an individual pursuit right so so that's something that you should be doing along the way is asking other people what questions they have um that's where Insights teams are great because hopefully if you've got a diverse team, <laughs> that you'll be working on a particular problem and someone else will ask a question that you just think is so left field, that ends up being the thing that helps you un- unlock uh, the problem. But I think you're way better off saying I, I, I don't have the answer. In the situation, though, as I was saying, if you have thought ahead and asked yourself the tough question, um, it does put you in a really good position to be able to say, hey, look, I've, I've thought about this. An alternative view when you take Think about that question could be A or B or C, um, so l- let's talk that through. Um, I think think that shows people um, that you've empathised well with them, that you've understood their need and and, and their questions, um, and, and I, I think it always makes you look good. And you kind of alluded to
0: something there that kind of tweaked something in my mind. Curiosity is a company culture versus an individual culture. I That's guess that probably cool. has a lot to do with how much permission an individual researcher or an insights person feels like they have to take the time to wear that to take
1: Yeah, that Yeah, that, that's 100% um, why I decided to, to start Curio. So was, uh, you know, I, I thought for many years about starting an insights agency as in a pro- project-driven, um, you know, provide insights services agency, um, which I will, will still do um, from time to time or as, as part of the business. But what got me excited and made me decide now, you know, this year was the the, the time to start uh, was when I realized that this idea of a culture of curiosity uh, has a a capability component and a behavior component to it um, that needs to be coached and 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 taught and, and trained, not just in insights teams within organizations. Just as much within the leadership groups and the the teams that are using insight with organisations, everyone up to the CEO, because it's very easy to kill curiosity very quickly. And I think there'll be insights people listening who have heard questions, or oh, sorry, not questions, so much as heard phrases like "I don't need a study to tell me that dot dot dot," right? Yeah, <laughs> um, which is basically somebody saying, "I've got the world figured out. I know there are, there are no answers out there. There's no angle on this." That I haven't considered, and that's obviously the antithesis of, of curiosity um is saying that you know um and so curiosity does have to be uh, a company culture when I talk about the culture of curiosity it's about building that within organizations not teaching individuals to be the champion of curiosity within their their, their company or to be a lone wolf um being curious within their company you really have to breed that overall culture where you give people the room, you give people the time, and then help them develop the skills to be able to take a, a truly curious pursuit and angle on it on any given business problem.
0: Something that we uh, mentioned at the top of the show, uh, one of the strengths that you have is that you, you have that incredible wealth of experience, almost 25 years of experience in this space, and I can only imagine that over that span of, of working this space that you've seen a tremendous amount of evolution when it comes to technology, you know, stuff like speaks to text for transcriptions of calls, um, NLP, sentiment analysis, you know, software coming out to do the regression analysis for you very easily um all uh, I imagine you would have seen rolled out over your time what are some of the biggest changes you've witnessed in the in the technology landscape over your time and and how can insights and research teams today take advantage of these new technologies
1: well certainly uh I, there have certainly been major advances in my time uh, in insights given my first role in insights was in the caddy room at Nielsen in Brisbane, actually conducting phone interviews and, and supervising the team and doing those there. So um yeah, I've lived through the the waves of when when online research was a novel idea and and you know we used to debate when you should or shouldn't use it. Um but if I fast forward right more um, to, to today there's no point reliving the the 90s and the early 2000s. But uh, um, if we fast forward to today, and when I think about modern res tech or, or research technology platforms, I think that I can think of two really important things they've they've done for me. So um the, there's probably one bucket of tools that I would say have democratized the access uh and the use of many forms of, of data. So if you think of platforms like Tableau, Power BI, Q, and and of course Capiche, um these have, have made things quicker and importantly, I think people talk about easier, but I think less intimidating for a bigger pool of users to get close to the data, to to actually spend some time trying to answer different questions. It's very different to dashboard tools, which just allowed people to essentially uh, kind of peruse pre-prepared um. Analyses that they've allowed people to get in in a way that wasn't intimidating. It used to be you know you had to know how to code in SPSS or <laughs> all these kinds of tools, or be an Excel wizard to to be able to do some of these things, which are now much easier. So I, I really think that's enabled corporate insight teams not not just to use their own data, but to actually go down the path of starting to own their own data and collecting their own data. And in the most modern, um most contemporary expressions of data, things like Um, the consumer data platforms and the people actually owning their own CDP and and having first-person conversations with consumers and starting to get to know them. So I think that's the the first bucket of those ones that have democratized the industry a bit. Then there's others um, which I would put things like Askable and Yabble and Hearsay and Qualtrics. Um, They've all taken out layers between the curious researcher And the subjects of their curiosity, which are normally consumers or customers. So the the way the industry was set up, historically, we had lots of barriers between the person with the pointy question and the the people that they wanted to hear. We put um, research agencies and, um, like I was saying, going back to telephones or internet surveys with some other random Company that they'd never heard of uh, behind those, or in the qualitative sense, we literally put you know uh, a mirrored wall in between, right? So the uh, but I think things like uh, hearsay, which allows people to go, as um, a, a tech platform that allows in-house insights people and marketers and the CEO to to confidently go and conduct a one-on-one interview or even a, a, a group discussion uh, with people. Have, have taken out those layers. And I think that's really important because um, you do lose a little bit of fidelity with every, with every handing on from the CEO who has the question to the, the GM of marketing that he briefs, that speaks to the head of insights, that then briefs an agency, that then briefs their most junior researcher. <laughs> you, you lose some of the fidelity along the way. So I think those have been really important in bringing people closer and I think consumer closeness is a, is a really important facet for insights to succeed. Of course, there's lots of others that have just made a part of the process easier or more efficient um, through automation. Sometimes I see that's where the rub is, is with some of the, the technology platforms so that, that kind of, I guess, overly automate because for me, it's really important to have a curious person following a narrative, unpacking a question or a problem that's using these tools um, because it's the combination of that that human curiosity and intuition and understanding of the problem with efficient technology that will really lead us to smarter decisions stronger insights uh, that i think the technology can't do by itself
0: and and to kind of pull on that thread a little harder do you think it's an accurate reflection to say then? Uh, uh, i guess an accurate categorization of your opinion on this that the technology is actually allowing it or making it easier for people to be curious and to fulfill that curiousness and and wear that detective hat
1: for sure right and, and that's true in all parts of the the, the world i think um the, like just outside of insights and, and business true uh it's true that we have much more access to ways to fulfill our curiosity uh now i remember being a kid and uh my parents had bought the Encyclopedia Britannica, you yeah, know, like like everyone's parents in, in those days, the guy came around and sold you, and this is going to help your kids through school. Now, when I had a question about things, all I had was that like two-paragraph entry about that topic <laughs> uh in that book that I could go to and I could read that, or else I had to bug my parents to go to a library or <laughs> you know, that's the only way you could do it. Now my kids go, hey. That's interesting. What why does the leaning tower of Pisa lean was a question my son asked a, a little while ago. And he just walked over to the home hub and said, "Hey Google, why does the leaning tower of Pisa lean?" And then he spent 15 or 20 minutes there learning stuff about who made it, why it leans, what they've done to stop it falling over and and all these kinds of things. And I think that that's what the technology does for us uh, in the insight space as well. Is it gives us a path that when you are curious, you can quickly keep following the breadcrumbs. You don't get stuck after one question um, where you go, well, the only source of data that we have to answer that question is a survey we did in 2014 with one question from that and now I'm stuck. There's other places you can go this way. Hang on. Is there something in sales data that can help me here? Is there something in behavioural data, shopper shopper card data from one of our partners? Uh, Can I see something in the trends that I can now interrogate over years in our brand health data through this tool? Which does... I think, encourage curiosity. And I said before, it's a a practice. It's a craft that you practice. And so doing that more often and having more tools available to do that helps you get better and better and better at it. Yes, but
0: I will admit that you are slightly raising my anxiety levels when it comes to children and the access to information. I certainly (laughs) remember the salesperson coming around to sell the encyclopedias and the thought that my children would just be able to go on and look up anything I think there's a much deeper, yes, there's a much deeper conversation there around uh, yeah. the access to information and what it's doing to people, but yeah. interesting it, it, you know the curiosity if you've, if you've got a, a good grasp on um, being able to reason about other information and being able to process it in a right way rather than you know to use an example you used earlier landing on the first answer to a question and assuming you know in a research context it's the right one or or in a researching on the internet context the first one that you that you find is the right one or the first one that you read that you like is the the right one curiosity plays a very important
1: role in that yeah exactly right so that's where the it's the the technology combined with someone who has kind of practiced the craft um whether that's through capability and and training kind of platforms or or through learned experience right that's uh, taking the first answer you hear on the internet—that's one one of those classic ones. Like we were talking about, was the the detective that takes the first piece of mm-hmm. evidence. So you you plow full bore ahead, you know, with some kind of action based on the the first thing that you read, and then you find out you're wrong, or, or the other perspective <laughs> gets presented to you in a way that that hurts. That's I think think what helps be, uh, hel- helps to learn to go interrogate, be critical check the source, you know, mm-hmm. think, think about what was their take on it, what was the question they were really asking. That, that's what I see a lot with things like academic research being quoted by people and they say, oh, well, this study proved X, Y, Z. So, well, actually, th- that study was a very pointed experiment only to answer a very specific psychological question or something. I don't think you can extrapolate it in the, the, the way that you're doing. But if you found seven or eight studies, you know, that, that all seem to be pointing the same direction, okay, maybe now we've got something.
0: And I think
1: the strategy you outlined
0: before earlier is 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 key here as well. Try and poke holes in it yourself. Imagine that you're someone else, that you're presenting this information to someone else that you found, and they're trying to poke holes in it. What questions would they ask? What holes would they try to poke in it? And and answer those questions. And if you can find good
1: answers to them, then perhaps you've got a reliable source and some good information. Yeah, exactly. And uh, as, as much as understanding the sources, perhaps perhaps you're on the right track, right? So mm. um, it's it's not always about validating the sources but understanding am i on the right track here if there's a lot of signs pointing this direction uh maybe there's something here and if i've thought about what happens if i make a misstep here and i can't find anything maybe i am on the right track maybe there's something there uh, which i think is part of that journey of curiosity
0: well before we step too much further down the dangerous track of discussing society and information let's let's <laughs> change directions a little bit sure um what would your best advice be to a leader of an insights department that's facing resistance to having their insights actioned by an organization? Is there a secret to ensuring hard work doesn't get put into a dark corner and ignored?
1: Yeah, look, it is uh, it's probably the, the great disappointment of our, our industry that there's probably a lot of really great insights. Sitting in a dusty binder in a drawer in a back room somewhere now, um, or buried on a SharePoint in, in the, the contemporary version. Um, look, I, I think it's a very real, um, scenario for, for insights leaders. Um, and, and I formed a, and, and I talk a lot with a, a group that we formed here of internal insights leaders in, in kind of corporate, uh, settings in Melbourne and, Look, I think like any relationship, the first thing to do is you need to own your half of that relationship, right? So if as an insight leader, I feel that I'm not having the impact that I think I should, I I, I would first start by thinking, am I empathising and understanding with the internal clients that I have and what their drivers and their needs are? Do I know what pushes their buttons, what they're trying to achieve? um why they're asking the the questions that that they're asking if i'm not doing a good job of that i'm probably not going to fulfill their their needs on the the back end and that's probably why i'll keep being kept at more of an arm's distance I, i think you also need to then extend that to make sure that your team are answering the right questions and asking the right questions um sometimes um even internal agent, uh, internal uh, teams, rather, can, can suffer from a problem I see with agencies now that I've, I've spent a, a decade or more on the, the client side in terms of uh, there's that old saying that if you give a man a hammer, every problem looks like a nail, right? And sometimes I think we hear someone asking a question and we're rather than actively listening and then thinking about how would I answer that question, we're, we're quickly thinking which solution solves this. So they're asking a question, we decide. I should be able to answer this from our brand tracking. And we've, we're have we already off uh, on, on the wrong path at, at that point in time because it's not really the question that they had. So you do need to be outcome focused, but not at the moment that you're taking the brief, right? I think that's where you have to be really crystal clear that you're understanding their outcome, not thinking about your outcome or your deliverable yet. Um, so, yeah, so I think that that's part of owning your half of the, the relationship. I think it's only then you can start to ask questions of the leadership around you. And we talked a bit about the culture uh, around you and a culture of curiosity. But I think uh, really strong insights leaders need to, to be in a position um, where they're confident to ask the organization and the, the leaders, the other leaders in the organization, are you open to what you don't know? Are you willing to rethink your perspective based on? The voice of the consumer or other data and evidence that we can bring forward. I, I think if the answers to those things are no, you fall into a, a trap um, wh- where KPIs instead of being key performance indicators become the key purpose of insights. And, and for me, that is not a rewarding and fulfilling place for uh, for an insights leader to be. It might be for some, certainly not <laughs> for me. Right? I think great insights seems are, are really impactful when you have the ability to challenge the organization to rethink get closer to consumers and ask the tough questions of itself then you'll find you do you have the opportunity to do some really great and impactful work there'll still be tracking to do there'll still be KPIs to measure but if they become the key purpose of what you're doing I think then you've become a a analytics desk not an insights team
0: interesting and uh I think that relates to something that you said earlier around um taking the time to wear that detective hat and really go deep in the data and and the talk of KPIs there really kind of makes me think, what is the right way to measure an insights team Um, and and how do you set those objectives or KPIs for an insights team so that you strike the right balance between giving them the space and the permission to wear that detective's hat but also ultimately a business needs to see value. And I guess one way to think about the value from an insights team is, is in the quality of the information it delivers to the business, and therefore the quality of the decisions that it enables. So, how 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 have you thought about you know setting objectives or KPIs for insights teams?
1: Yeah, it's uh, it's always a, a challenging one. Um, I have felt I do my best work um, as an insights leader or just an insights practitioner um, working with teams when. My goals and my KPIs are are the same goals or KPIs as the teams that I'm supporting so um, I would rather and and with my teams i'd rather set them goals that are around you know having a, a an impactful um, campaign on air for a brand with high ROI. if that's what that brand leader is aiming for then that's what we should be aiming for we're, we're there to help them achieve that outcome. But it's it's got you. We need to make sure that those KPIs have a flavour of then what the insights person can do. So it's not brand X gets their campaign on air by November because that just encourages behaviour of don't take the time, don't think too much, just help them get it done quickly. Whereas if it's brand X, brand X's summer campaign has a meaningful impact on sales and brand equity. Okay, we can help with that then, and that can give us guidance along the way uh, in terms of the questions we need to be asking. So when they say, hey, we've only got one week before we need to shoot, if we've got real questions about whether the ad is actually going to connect with people, that's the time to raise those questions and say we might need to replan the shoot because I'm not confident that when we get to summer, this ad is going to do what what we need it to do. So I think that the, the first consideration needs to be aligning with the goals. Uh, of the people that we're serving. Ultimately, we're trying to move the business forward. Uh, not many businesses sell insights, right? Most businesses sell a service, sell a product, sell something else. And, and we need to be aligned to helping the business do that. I think the soft component of it then is um, for me, sometimes not in KPIs, but but is always something that I seek through the formal and informal feedback loops. It's just understanding how we have impacted the decisions that are being made by both talking to the people making the decisions and saying, have we been helping? Have we been making decisions easier? Have we been making the decisions smarter for you? Um, or are we making them more confusing? Are we, <laughs> we bring the p- perspectives that are actually making it harder to, to make the decisions? Um, but I wouldn't often have um, seen those as kind of personal goals or KPIs for, for team members, but that's how as a team, I think we, we often measure the impact that we're having and you you see that informally just through the the volume of questions that are coming to your team are, are people pulling the insights team into every meeting because they think you help move their work forward or are they keeping you at a, at an arm's distance um, because they think you're just there for KPIs and worst case scenario they think hey you're just here to measure me and you might tell me my ad is shit and so I don't <laughs> I don't want you in this conversation. <laughs> um, so, when I felt really uh, at the top of my game is when when you know brand directors or heads of brands won't even start the meeting without the insights person in the room because they know this is making us do better work.
0: Yeah, interesting. Um, at the risk of getting into the controversial, although perhaps it isn't controversial, I guess we'll find out. You started life on the agency side. You you jumped the fence and went internal, and and you're about to. Jump back over the fence, I guess, and go back into agency life in a way. So I feel like you're probably well placed to kind of give some insight into this. What do you What do you think the pros and cons are of an in-house insights team?
1: Yeah, it's a really good question and one I've actually been talking with uh, with some folks about as I think about the, the content uh, and the, the kind of capability programs that we developed with with Curio. So um, there's probably the agency perspective and the the, the client-side perspective on this, but ultimately I would say you always need to have somebody who is very close, as we've been talking about, has strong relationships with the people who are actually making their decisions, who knows those people well, understands their drivers, their motivations, their KPIs, what success looks like for them at a, at a deep level. Uh, and I think that that ultimately needs... It has to be, or, or, or works best when it's somebody in-house. It can be a very strong agency partnership. I w- wouldn't discount that, but um, but you know, it has to be a kind of a very long-standing uh, partnership with was very very much shared outcomes. Um, I think that's where in-house teams come to the fore. They have the perspective of all of the business's questions, all of the business's challenges, uh, all of the projects that are going on, and the ability to connect the dots between. Um all of those things and and bring new insight um to turn the corner and look in a different place um is really important. I think th- the role of agencies um has probably started to shift over time as more investment has been put into in house um, teams and, and expertise. I think agencies obviously on the the first hand help with people power <laughs> right in terms of when when it going gets tough and you need more people thinking about things um but that, that doesn't add so much value right and that, that probably doesn't lead to, to long relationships but i think the, the the role of agencies can be to bring uh a different perspective an outside perspective on some of the problems which is the, the trap sometimes when you're an internal researcher you are in the business a lot i i know working for ab in bev and cub for over 10 years i think way much way more about beer than people who are consuming beer think about beer right and sometimes it's the agency partners that can say i i think you're overthinking this i i think we have <laughs> taken this too far so i think that there's a, a role there that that great agencies can play um but the, the the limitation is always then that depth of understanding about the business which can only really be built in the an agency setting where you have a you know Many year deep relationship uh, with a company, so um, I, I do think both will continue to exist. I just think that the the role of agencies will move more to those big disruptive strategic projects, as in house agency teams now have more tools like the ones that we've been talking about to answer the little questions.
0: And is is part of that um, tooling, of course, is, is enabling ins- internal insight teams, but as part of it as well. The kind of acknowledgement of the of businesses that understanding customers, understanding experiences, understanding journeys is now integral to the competitive landscape and to succeeding and to growing and to, and to meeting, you know, market expectations on growth, et cetera, et cetera?
1: Oh, for sure. And I think one of the things that's changed over the the last 25 years is that the understanding that things like Customer journeys and and consumer journeys and consumers' experience of any given segment or category changes really rapidly, evolves really rapidly, gets new layers every week and month and <laughs> and 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 year. Um, so it has had to become a, a a focus that happens more as part of the machine, as part of the, the routine rather of the of an insights team to be looking at things like consumer journeys and evaluating them and 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 rethinking them as new competitors, new channels, new ways of solving the problem uh, come up. At a point in time, that was really the bread and butter of consulting firms and and agencies because things like a path to purchase or these kinds of things were seen as this big static thing that maybe changes over a five to 10-year horizon. Now they change so quickly. that It's become an increasing part of our job to be seeing them, be understanding them, um, reacting to them, remapping our view of the world. And that's why I talk as part of curiosity is that that willingness to rethink your perspective based on the, the voice of the consumer and a, a new piece of insight, um, which internal teams, I think, have the ability, as I said, because of the visibility of all the things that are going on, to make that call more quickly to say, hang on, now that that we've seen this change over our you know, comms tracking over here, and I've seen a change in our, the way we're planning media over here. When I put those two things together, maybe there's some, something new that we need to be thinking about here, uh, which is hard for a an agency to see the need. Of course, agencies might be the, the right way to answer that need sometime. Um, but I think that that's, uh, that becomes the role of the, inside, the in-house team is to be the one raising the flags um, and, and kind of, but then having to prioritise which questions we're going to answer.
0: Yeah, interesting. Isn't it interesting how things change over time? I haven't seen that Encyclopedia Britannica salesman in such a long time either. <laughs> no.
1: Yeah, I think he, he's gone. I wonder. I, I don't even know if there's an Encyclopedia Britannica online. I've never going to have gone to Encyclopedia Britannica.com. I guess Wikipedia has put them out of business.
0: Yeah, crazy, 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 crazy. Um, all right, that's really interesting. Thank you. I want to move on to our rapid-fire question round, if you don't mind.
1: And Absolutely. I'm going to
0: ask you five rapid-fire questions about customer insights and research and about yourself.
1: Are okay. you ready? Uh, uh, I'll, I'll steal myself. I'm ready. Let's go. <laughs>
0: <laughs> okay, nice and simple one to start with. What's the best piece of customer insights or research advice that you've ever received?
1: If, if that's a simple one, I'm in trouble. Um, I, I, <laughs> I, I mentioned one of them before about um, once you think you know, keep asking questions until you know you know. Uh, so pr- probably already used that one. Uh, look, the other piece of, and uh, um, one thing that we kind of haven't covered or uh, it's a, a little bit of a secret about me is I actually studied journalism and then decided to do a double degree in journalism and marketing and maybe that's part of how I ended up in research but – um, I, I also have a, a passion for storytelling and, and a great piece of advice that, uh, that I heard, uh, from one of my me- mentors in my time in the US was, um, people believe data and rely on data, but engage with stories. So mm. I think that that's a, that's another, that's probably a whole other conversation for, for another day, but it, it's really important once you've done all of the work to, to be curious to be able to then put it to, together in a story that makes people lean in and makes them raise their eyebrows and makes them question maybe what they thought they knew.
0: Yeah, that's a fantastic piece of advice. And I can absolutely see how journalism plus marketing equals research and insights.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
0: Um, what are you most excited about in the world of of insights or research right now?
1: Uh, look, I I think we've touched on the uh, the ability of the technologies that are coming through and, and there's new ones all the time uh that I learn about. Um especially, as I said, the ones that take out the layers and bring people closer to consumers. I, I'm, I'm really excited that through things like um, you know, everyday things now like social media, brands and the people that work on them can have really clear one-to-one direct conversations with people. And if we can tap into those conversations and then the, the kind of meta-knowledge that, that, that comes out of all of those um, and start to make that part of our system. It doesn't replace the system. It's not, you know, the, 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 the complete replacement of everything we've done before. But if we start to integrate that with the ways that we've learned to, to talk about people, um, historically and learn to understand people historically, um, I think we can really make better products, improve the experiences for, for people, um, and, you know, remove a little bit of the friction that that exists in the world. What book would you recommend to our audience that they read, and why? Oh, uh, I, I have a fairly extensive library there, so I, I may um, I may rely on um, on recency bias a little bit here, but I, I did just finish reading Adam Grant's new book, Rethink, um, and uh, yeah, it's a it's a really great he. he he has a way of writing that that there's a lot that's in there that makes a lot of sense that we all know that we should do, but gives a few practical ways that that you can make sure that you are challenging your own knowledge over time by having things like challenge networks uh, and uh, gives gives a lot of tools as well for the conversation we were having before about helping others around you to be open to, to curiosity. So um, pick pick that one up. What's uh, interesting? Sorry, sorry, I actually. I just called it Rethink, it's called Think Again. By ah, Grant. right, yes. yes, got it. Yep.
0: Don't worry, we'll put the right title and the right link in the show notes so people know <laughs> how to find it.
1: Apologies to Adam Grant. What's an uh, interesting
0: little fun fact about you that most people wouldn't
1: know? Oh, okay, this one's always an interesting question. Um, I already just gave away that uh, I actually studied journalism uh, but before ending up in, in research. Um, a fun fact would be, uh, I am a well, you can see on the wall behind me there's a, a Hawthorne image. There's a few of those around my house. I'm a massive Hawthorne fan. I actually won a nationwide uh poetry competition to uh to travel on to a, an away game with the team back in two thousand and five or something like that, with uh had to write a, a poem about Hawthorne. So I'm a bit of a closet uh closet poet, I guess. For
0: Everyone that isn't from Australia. All form play a sport that is only played in Australia, I guess you could probably think about it like gridiron or NFL.
1: Yeah. Great
0: sport though. Tremendous it,
1: athletes. It is. It's. Uh, it borders on religion in my house.
0: <laughs> yeah. I um, mean, you know, not to get off track, but I think AFL is probably, of all of the football codes we have in Australia, all the rugby codes is probably the one that takes the highest amount of athleticism and the highest amount of bravery.
1: Yeah, d- definitely take a look if you uh, don't know what we're talking about. Yeah.
0: All right, and last question. This one is really simple, I promise. If folks want to get in touch with you, what's the best way for them to do it?
1: Uh, yeah, sure. Uh, look, LinkedIn is, fan- is fantastic. Uh, I think uh, that, that's always an easy way to, to get in touch with me or you can land on Curioso's page and see some of the content we've started, started to build it as, as I build the, the company up. Um, or you can email me. It, it's simply adam at curioso.ltd.
0: Right. and we'll put links to all of those things in the show note. Adam, thank you for joining us today on the show, I've actually learned a lot so that's always a good sign um, I'm hoped you've had a good time as well and, and thank you for imparting some of that 25 years of experience onto our audience
1: oh, It's been fantastic to chat with you, I, I love talking about these topics and uh, uh, happy to, uh, to answer any questions people have uh, as follow ups and, and look forward to maybe another topic another day, uh, being able to catch up again